such a beautiful sense of the presence of God here this morning. So beautiful. Well, here we are, December. We made almost 2021. Well, it is a joy and a privilege to be up here this morning. Um, I have no idea what I'm doing up here. I'm just going to give you fair warning. This is my first time preaching. <laughs> uh, look, any, anything can happen. Anything could happen. What, can you stay standing this morning? We're going to read the Word of God together. <laughs> Thanks, Carrie. I saw that. <laughs> I promise you, you'll get to sit down a little bit. Um, and before, before they all exit, can we thank our incredible worship team? <laughs> Amazing. Week in and week out, they continue to show up and lead us in worship, which is amazing. So we are going to read, if you've got your Bible uh, with you this morning or um, a digital version, it'll be up on the screen if you don't. But um, can I encourage you, bring your Bible to church. It's a, it's a good habit to get into. Um, we're going to read out of Luke chapter 1. Luke the doctor, I believe. Is that right, Andrew? Is Andrew here? Where's Andrew? Oh, good. Okay. I told him yesterday, I, like, as I was preparing, I thought, what would Andrew say about this? Am I going to get this? All right, we'll find out. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and we're going to read all the way through to the very end of Revelations. <laughs> so buckle in. Okay. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. In the message translation, it says something. I was reading it to Nate the other day. And I said, this is how I want you to greet me every single morning. It's like, greetings, beloved one. You are radiant with the Lord's glory. And that's how I would like to be greeted from now on. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? Oh, I better hit start on my timer. Go. I'm doing you a favor, trust me. I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Now listen to this part. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her, dropped a bomb and left. Can we pray this morning? I'm probably going to need that, aren't I? I'll put it there. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. I thank you, Lord, that you are closer than our next breath. And Father, this morning, I pray that as these words are spoken and as this message is delivered, God, I pray that you would be speaking to people. God, I pray that lives would be changed, that mindsets would be shifted today. And Lord, I thank you that 
when your word goes out, it does not return void. So Father, I just thank you for our time together and I pray that you would bless it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Awesome. You can have a seat. Thank you for keeping those legs. It's like we've got to re regain our muscle for church. Does anyone feel like that in worship? It's like strengthening the muscle again and you have to stand up for a long time and sing for a long time. Does anyone else feel like that? No, just me? Great. Okay. Awesome. Hey, you, if you didn't notice it last week, we've actually got some fun emojis, like just a little, a little um, snippet of what was very familiar for a long time. So if you grab your emojis, it'll make me feel really comfortable because I can see that like, thankfully there's no thumbs down emojis or like crying ones. They're all positive. So make sure you wave them at me <laughs> so I know that you're still with me. That's awesome. Well, as I said, I'm very honored uh, to be up here this morning sharing the Word of God with you. Thank you, Nate, for giving me the opportunity. Um, he's always pushing me out of my comfort zone and pushing me uh, to, to do more and just be better, like you said last week, just be better. And I told you all that I wouldn't preach, didn't I? Well, I tricked you. Gotcha. Uh, but I may very well not be allowed up here again after this week, so buckle in. It could be the one and only time you get it. Uh, but when Nate was um, telling me about the series that we're in at the moment, which is The Gift, um, he was talking me through the weeks and what each week's theme was going to be. And my ears just pricked up at this particular week. And I said to him, oh gosh, if I was ever going to preach, if I was ever going to preach, that'd be the week that I would do. And he went, great, you're on, and rostered me in El Vanto. <laughs> and that will be the last time I ever do that again to him, maybe. Um, so I have titled this message, There's Something About Mary. Now, if you're a 90s kid, <laughs> you, you might remember that reference, There's Something About Mary. I'm going to give you a full caveat. I have not seen that movie, and I am not recommending it. This is not a, um, a movie review segment of the service. But there's something I've always wanted to do. There's, and as a, like, if you're a preacher, or if you've ever preached, you'll know that everyone does this. And so I thought maybe you could humor me this morning, and I could pretend that I've been doing this for a really long time. Turn to the person next to you <laughs> and say there's something about Mary. Now turn to the other person and say, not that Mary, the other Mary. Mary, mother of Jesus. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. And I've always wondered, why do preachers do that? And I get it now. It's because, like, then I know that you're listening. It's great. Um, so who loves, who loves gifts at Christmas? No, yeah, no pressure. Nate's a sucker for, like... This is my problem with gifts. Nate is really, really sentimental, and I'm really, really practical. And so often, like for our anniversary one year, I got him a really good Bluetooth Bose um, speaker, which I thought was awesome. And he got Ruve Stenecki to like hand draw one of our wedding pictures and like write a Bible verse around it. And I was like, oh, wow, where am I gonna put that? <laughs> but the speaker was awesome. We've also, um, I don't know how we've managed to do this, of all the news agencies or targets or whatever in the world or in the Newcastle, we have managed for two years in a row to buy each other the exact same anniversary card. Not once, but twice. 
out of all the cards. So, you know, we're just trying so hard to be like one another. It's, it's paying off. So as I said, we're in a series at the moment called The Gift, and last week uh, Nate brought us a brilliant message, if you were here you'd, you'd remember, um, about the gift of the Spirit and told us how we think we all need more patience when in actual fact what we need is more of God because when we have the Holy Spirit uh, and we're full of Him, then the overflow of that is patience and kindness and self-control. And Lord knows we're going to need some self-control coming up to Christmas, am I right? We've got ham and more ham and mangoes and prawns and my stepmom is Finnish and she makes this beautiful, um, it's called piraka and no one here is going to know what that means but it's so nice and it's bready and it's got like um, squashed eggs and not painting a good picture but it's really delicious. It's like an egg butter and it's, yeah, a lot of gluten. It's good. Um, but today I'm going to unwrap, see what I did there, another gift for us. And today we're going to be talking about the gift of eternal life. Um, now, for some of you here today, you're fully aware of where your eternity uh, will be spent, but maybe for some others, you haven't really ever considered where your eternity might be spent or even what exists beyond that moment of death. Um, and today, uh, we're going to take a little look at Mary. Not that Mary, the other Mary, Mary, mother of Jesus. And we, um, I was thinking while I was preparing this, who was Mary, was she someone really special? Was she like the most beautiful woman in all of Galilee or wherever it was that she lived? Andrew, help. But have you ever wondered that? Why Mary? Out of all the women in all of the earth, God chose this one girl to be the one to carry and birth and raise God in human form. And I was, I was doing some research, and I did go beyond Wikipedia. Um, I got this down pat, guys. <laughs> but I was, I was researching, going, was there anything special about her? Because um, in Catholicism, Mary is like the, the be-all and end-all. She's really, really important. But do you know, actually, historically, there's not a lot of information about Mary. And in Scripture, there isn't a whole lot either that passage in Luke is one of the most detailed ones where, uh, where it talks about Mary herself. Um, and I was thinking, gosh, you know, to be the mother of Jesus. You know, when I was a kid, I used to think, this is such bad theology, but this is what I thought as a kid, that I was going to be the next mother of the next Jesus that came. <laughs> I was going to be the one to carry. Like, my kids are pretty awesome, but I was going to be the one to carry the next Jesus. But I thought, when I get to heaven, I'm going to find out what Jesus was like as a baby. Was he like a really perfect baby? Did he sleep all night through from like day one? Was he an obedient toddler? Did he ever throw a tantrum or did he ever answer back to his parents? We know um, that when he was a bit old, he ran off and they found him at the temple, but he was lost and he got away with that one because he was being super duper holy. Um, but I want to know what he was like, son of God. Um, but scripture doesn't tell us a whole lot about that stuff, but it, it also doesn't tell us much about Mary. And actually, I'd like to suggest today that Mary probably wasn't all that different from you and I. She probably wasn't anyone all that special. She was probably just an average Jewish girl uh, getting on with her life, probably a lot like we were as teenagers. Um, but the only thing that scripture really tells us 
is that she was a young woman who just simply gave her yes to God. And so that's my first point. I've got three points for you today if you're taking notes. My first point is give your yes to God. Now, the, um, the screens couldn't quite fit all my point. My whole point was the world changes when you give your yes to God, but that's good too. So verse 38, uh, it says that Mary responded with, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And how many of us could say that that would have been our response? Like you've just been met with an angel who's talking to you. I don't, I don't think I would have responded with, yes, Lord, use me. I would have been like, hang on a second. How is this actually going to happen? Um, yep, very practical. But she was willing to be used by God, even though it meant that in the, con the cultural context of that time, the potential of being cast out socially as a pregnant teen and being turned away by her fiancé, therefore giving up that security and provision, she had the perspective that to be used by God for his plan was better than anything that she could do on her own. Risking everything, she said yes to God. Risking social status, family support, she gave her yes to God to bring the Savior to earth. And I think if we were all to have that same perspective on life, one that I think actually puts eternity in our view, I think we would make choices and view life here and now very differently. But this is only the case when you have an assurance of what happens when you pass from this moment to, to the next. If you're not sure about uh, where you go after that moment, then eternity just is a completely different conversation. Now, I'm no stranger to death. Um, those of you who know me well know that I'm quite well adjusted to death, and I'm, I'm actually a little bit fascinated. This sounds really morbid. I'm, I'm quite fascinated. Is anyone else fascinated by the, the biological process of death? Like one, I know, sorry, you're learning a lot about me today, but one moment you're alive, and then in one split second, that body that you've lived in for however long you've been alive for is literally just a shell. You're not there anymore. And that biological process, I find the whole thing very fascinating. But um, the, reason, <laughs> the reason I am so fascinated by it is I, I've been around death a lot. Um, I lost my mum to cancer at the age of 16. And by that stage, I'd already lost all of my grandparents, bar one. Um, and my sister, Belinda, also passed away just a few years ago. Now, I'm going to tell you about my sister, Belinda. Not everyone had the joy and the privilege of meeting my sister. And uh, No, I won't say anything else about that. Um, but my sister was a pain in the butt. Can I tell you that? <laughs> Alicia's laughing because Alicia knew my sister. <laughs> she was a pain. Um, I loved her dearly, but she was a pain. Uh, everyone has got that sibling, you know, the ones that drive you up the wall, the one that causes the family arguments, the ones that can't keep their mouths shut, the ones that you call your grace grower. And if you don't have one of those siblings, can I tell you, probably you are that sibling. <laughs> and if you're not sure, maybe ask your siblings and they might be honest enough to tell you that you're the one in the family that's the pain in the butt, right? So you've all got them. 
That's right. But my sister Belinda, she was born um, with a genetic disorder called allergies syndrome. It was a liver disease. Um, she was amazing. She was always sick, but you would never know it half the time. And she lived a lot longer than she was supposed to. And um, she was lucky enough to receive a liver transplant, which gave her a few more years toward the end of her time. Um, we had our moment of fame when we went on the show. Who remembers the show RPA? Anyone, NBN? Yes, I was on that show. And it was like, who cares about whether you're sick or not? Girlfriend, we are on TV. There is a camera crew in our house. We had like our hair done and our makeup done. And I've got photos. Poor Belinda, she's like green as anything because her liver's not working properly. And I'm like, I'm here, guys. <laughs> Would you like to interview me? And then I, you know, we've got the video back and I watched it back and I thought, oh gosh, stop talking. Just don't say anything else. Um, anyway, that was our claim to fame. Um, but she was a bit painful. She was the kind of pain um, that because her younger sister, me, was getting married before her, which was a big no-no, uh, she decided to be that annoying bridesmaid that when we went shoe shopping, and Alicia remembers this because she was one of those bridesmaids, we chose the most beautiful high-heeled shoes and everyone was like, oh, they're so beautiful. Are you happy with them, Rach? And I was like, yeah, yeah, they'll be great. No, my sister did not want to wear high heels. And so she agreed in the moment. And then on the wedding day, the photographers taking photos of the bridesmaids' shoes lined up perfectly and they went like this. Because my sister decided to go to a bootmaker and have the heel cut down to a little kitten size just to be annoying just to be a pain in the butt. That's the kind of sister she was. I remember the time that she stabbed me in the arm with a fork. That was fun. And when my sweet dear mum was trying to teach her to soften her heart and she's chasing her around the dinner table with the wooden spoon. She's just, yeah, she was awesome. But we had fun. She was six years older than me and she oscillated between wanting to parent me and then in the next breath be my best friend. Um, and we fought and argued like all good sisters. But the truth is that we were incredibly close. Um, she cared for me when we lost mum. And I cared for her when she needed to go to doctor's appointments and specialist appointments. She was super cheeky. She loved to laugh. But she was also one of the straightest shooters I've ever known. And if you think I'm a straight shooter, sometimes you should have met her. Um, now... I'm going to tell you a story this morning about the moment that she passed from this life into the next. And so if you're uncomfortable with death, get okay with it because we're going to go there this morning. <laughs> and I'm not telling you this to be um, flippant about death or anything like that. But this story was just like, if you knew my sister, this was her final stab at all of us and her final laugh. So she had been in intensive care unit at the RPA hospital for I think it was a few days, maybe a week, and um, it got to the point where there was just, there was no turning back. We knew that the end was near, and uh, the specialists asked, when you're ready, we'll turn off the life support machine. And we're like, okay, that's, thank you, we'll take our time. Her husband, they were only married for, was it 18 months? Something like that. He was there, he's crying, we're all like, you know, it's the end, it's, it's a heavy moment. Um, and when we did finally turn the... PowerPoint off. It's not a PowerPoint. It's not that simple. But um, we turned off the life support machine and slowly she slipped away. And um, the families in the room were all surrounding her bed. And Hillsong United's Oceans, does anyone know that song? It had been playing on repeat for three days 
So I can never listen to that song again. I'm sorry. It's a beautiful song, but it just brings back too many memories. So this song's on repeat just gently in the background. It was beautiful. The room was silent. We're all, you know, it's very, it's very sad. And then all of a sudden we hear this. I'm thinking, who is getting a phone call right now? Like, of all the moments, turn off your phone. And we're looking around going, what is that noise? It wasn't anyone's phone. We looked at Belinda and her bed was like, slowly the back was coming up and the feet was coming up at the same time. (laughs) And just slowly but surely, this dead body of my beautiful sister is being sandwiched. (laughs) Someone yells, make it stop! This moment of, oh no, the body, make it stop. Someone just steps back from the bed and we realise that someone's been leaning on the remote on her bed. And we all just burst out in laughter because the hilariousness of this situation, although it should have been very sad and very morbid in this moment, we just laughed our heads off because we can imagine Belinda just hovering above us in the room going, aha, gotcha, one last final stab, one last final joke. Now, like I said, I'm not downplaying um, the seriousness of death, but can I tell you why we could laugh in that moment? Apart from the fact that it was hilarious, we had an eternal perspective on the whole situation. She was from that moment of passing from this life and into the next healthy, whole, and finally free to spend eternity with her heavenly father. And although we experience the grief of loss here on earth, it is so much easier when we have an eternal perspective. I'll see her again. I'll see her again along with all the others that have gone before us. Now, I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm not downplaying the seriousness of it, and I'm fully aware that it isn't always easy to laugh in these moments, particularly in some really awful and some really traumatic situations. But I am saying that if we have that assurance about eternity... It makes it a lot easier to process. Just this week on Wednesday, we farewelled Nate's stepdad. And I'm not trying to make light of some really tough situations, but I tell you what, the hope that we have in Jesus and where we spend eternity is so critical to being able to healthily and genuinely process that grief when we lose someone. So here's my second point. Eternal life, oh, it's going to look different on the screen. This is the extended version. Eternal life brings perspective to both pain and happiness now. Eternal life brings perspective to both pain and happiness now. So what? So why should we care about the gift of eternal life? Um, Romans 6.23, and I think it's going to go up on the screen, says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And it should stir us on to live this life with purpose. Work hard, build your business, have a family, enjoy life and creation. But all of those things should never get in the way or replace serving God and making an eternal impact. Do you ever look at your calendar or your work schedule and think, how the heck did life get so busy? I know I do, like everyone's just squished everything into December this year. How many Christmas parties, sports presentations, family gatherings and trips to Woolies can I possibly squeeze into four weeks of the year? We get so busy doing stuff these days and we become so focused 
on this life and not so concerned with what comes next? Am I too busy to reach out to my neighbours? Am I too busy to serve at church? Am I too busy to spend time with God? Am I too busy to help that person that doesn't know Jesus yet? And you know, sometimes I think there's a problem with our priorities. If we lived every day like we were on purpose for the kingdom of God, what would our lives look like? Now, I'm not saying that we should go and sell everything and, you know, go and become a missionary in some far-fetched country, although that is an admiral call and some of you may receive that call from God. But what I am saying is that whatever it is that you do, do it with all of your might and do it in a way that points people to Jesus. If God's called you to be a teacher, do that to the glory of God. If He's called you to do a trade, do that to the glory of God. If He's called you to a career in IT, do that to the glory of God. If He's called you to create and invent and be entrepreneurial, do that to the glory of God. If He's called you to invest in the home and raise children, do that to the glory of God and disciple those little people to know Jesus too. Can I, um, can I get practical and plain with you today? You know, there is so much need at the moment, specifically here within our church. We are literally busting at the seams with kids. And part of that is my fault because I had three, sorry. But Mel had more than me, so it's her fault too. We've got more people and things happening at the moment than we have volunteers for. We need more musicians and singers. We need more people welcoming at the door. We need more people in our Victory Centre. We have people knocking on our doors at Ush and not enough staff. And this isn't just a call for volunteers. This is an ask for you to look at your life and ask yourself the tough question of, am I living in a way that prioritises God, prioritises others, and does it prioritise the church, the very bride of Christ? Because when we all move from this life to the next, we're going to have to give an account of what we did with what He gave us. Well, Lord, I made lots of money. I had five investment properties. I had some kids. I travelled the world. But I had a compassion child. I don't know about you, but I want to be able to meet Jesus and tell Him how I built His church, how I discipled people, how I won more people into the kingdom of God, how I served and loved others and changed the world around me. And I think if we all lived with that perspective of eternity shadowing our time here on earth, we might make some different decisions with the time that we have here. Let me tell you, our time here on earth is important and it is meaningful, but our time here is also short. And we're so good at getting caught up in the here and now. We get so caught up in our precious lives and some pretty useless stuff, right? I do it too. I am, yeah, I'm right here. We get caught up in our jobs and where we should go on our next holiday and how much money we're making and how many hobbies we should enroll our kids in. And sorry, you, you might not like this part, but I've been amazed to watch on as the world around us and those we love have gotten so caught up in politics and vaccines and government conspiracies and statistics. And I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with any of those things, but I tell you, if we lift our eyes and if we remind ourselves that this life is not all there is, then I think we might have a more balanced perspective on these matters. Paul wrote this from his prison cell, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So there's something about Mary, and this is my third and final point. Be like Mary. Short and sweet, we had a joke at staff a couple of months ago during COVID where we all said we should be like Simo. 
because Simo was like nailing lockdown. He was nailing the young adults ministry and pivoting and like being super creative. So we all said, well, we should all be like Simo. Today, I want you to all be like Mary. I want to be like Mary. I want to have that perspective on life that no matter what God asked of me, there was a yes and an agreement in my spirit because I understand that this life is not all there is. I want to live my life against the backdrop of eternity. And I always said that I would never preach, but the fact is that when you give your yes to God, it's not just a one-time thing. It's a yes again and again and again. And we all have that choice to make. For some here today, you don't have that assurance of where you'll spend eternity. And I'd like to give you an opportunity today to get that assurance and to give your life to Jesus. There is a God in heaven who loves you and He gave His only Son so that you could experience eternal life. But for others here today, you have the chance to re-surrender your life to Jesus and live out the rest of your days totally surrendered to His plan and to His will. And I think we can all agree that particularly at this time of year, life just gets busy. It does. It's been a really crazy few months. And sometimes our priorities can get a little bit out of whack. But maybe today is a fresh start for you to realign yourself to His plan and in your spirit say yes to God again and take whatever it is that He has in store for you. You know, before we head into a new year, we should take an opportunity to put Jesus again back at the center of it all. And I believe the Holy Spirit is gonna speak to you if it's you that need to take that opportunity to re-surrender yourself to Him. And I'm gonna ask the team to come out because that song this morning that they sang, I, sneaky, I asked them to, to sing that one today because it fitted in beautifully. Um, and I'd encourage you when they come out to stand and just take that moment to lift your hands and re-surrender again to Jesus.